Let's pray. Father, I just ask you right now that, Lord, you would still every heart. And that, Lord, you would guide my lips. Lord, that I may speak only that which you've permitted me to speak. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would open the hearts and the ears of your people that they may hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. Take away all nervousness from myself, Lord. Father, I just pray that your Spirit just rest upon me now and upon this place, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As many of you as well know, and as well preached in this place, that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back soon. And before he comes back again, his bride and his church are going to be brought into a position where they're going to possess the land of their inheritance. That the church of God is going to rise up in these last days, full of power and Jude upon on high, walking in that which they should be walking, taking back all that the enemy has stolen. And we're going to be able to go and possess the land that the Lord, our God, has given us in the first place. And I'm not on about heaven. I'm on about this particular earth, the earth, Northern Ireland, where we live. However, at this minute in time, we're just not quite there yet. We're just not quite there yet. And the Lord is preparing her, his bride, preparing his bride, getting the wedding garments ready that we may be spotless. And one of the things that the Lord, I believe, has shown me was that he brought me, and, and, and it's been on my heart recently, I know I've prayed it a few times when I was here, it's been on my heart recently about Jericho. And that the Lord brought me into, into Jericho and the battle of Jericho and actually in the uh, proceedings leading up to the battle of Jericho. And one of the things that he was showing me, he says, look, he says, within the land, our land of inheritance, it looks as if there's enemy strongholds. Looks as if there's enemy strongholds within our land, within Northern Ireland at the minute, that to the, the eye of man, they look as if even to a point that they be unpenetrable. Even to the eye of man, it looks that we cannot take down to look, as the Israelites, to look at Jericho, as they did the first time that they sent out the 12 spies. They went in 10 out of the 12 Tyrannuses when they looked at the land and they saw that it was good. This is one of the things about whenever the spies went out, all 12 of them all came back with the exact same report. They all said that the land which the Lord had prepared for his people was a good land. And it was a land that was filled with milk and with honey. But yet even knowing that and even saying that, yet 10 out of the 12 turned around and said, but the enemy... The people that dwell within in that land, we are but grasshoppers in their sight. And faith failed them. Even though in the previous two years leading up to that, God had taken them out of Egypt. He has shown his arm bare, his mighty hand with an outstretched arm. He drew them out of Egypt. He came and he showed them all the plagues and he, he, everything he did to Pharaoh and everything that the Israelites saw yet within a couple of years they had forgotten all that the Lord had done and one of the things that the Lord uh, wanted me to share with you or the main theme for tonight is this is that in a time when historical monuments memorials across the world are being torn down 
we are actually to go the opposite way and we are to start to remember and remember again all that the Lord has did for us, both as a church and as individual people. Every single victory, every single path, every single valley, and every single hilltop that the Lord has brought us through and brought us up, that we are to remember those and never, ever forget them. Because it is in that remembering, it is in the remembering of those things that you'll actually be able to build yourself up in faith. And the Bible talks about building yourself up in your most holy faith and also talks about meditating on those things which are of, of, of a good report. And you'll find whenever you start to meditate on these things and you start even within your own witness, within your own testimony, you start to think about the things that the Lord has did in your life. I don't know about you, but when I start musing upon the things that the Lord Jesus Christ has done in my, my life, faith and belief builds up within inside me. It starts to well up from within my belly and it starts to surge up. And whenever it comes to a point where I feel, oh, do you know what, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. Whenever I start to remember the things that the Lord has done in my life, I start to be built up with faith. And then through that belief and through that faith, I'm then able to obey. And it's able to bring me into a place of obedience because I rely not on myself, but I'm looking to my Savior. I'm looking to God. I'm looking to Jesus Christ. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. Let's go. Joshua chapter 1. It says this, verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses' minister saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore rise and go over this Jordan, thou and all the people unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that they saw of your foot shall tread upon that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Then down to verse 7, it says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not to it from the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all that is according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have, not come, have not I commanded thee, be strong and be of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host. And command the people, saying, Prepare ye victuals, for within three days you're going to pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess. Let's end there. You see, Joshua at this point had came up and the Israelites had spent a lot of time in the wilderness and 40 years as we know. And we'll look a wee bit more into that in a wee second. And after circling around a mountain, the Lord brought them up and says, now you go north. And they come in and they were on one side of Jordan and the promised land lay on the other side. And there was only one barrier between them and the promised land, and that was the River Jordan. It's not Jericho. Jericho is not the border. It's not the problem within the, or was not the obstacle that lay before them. The obstacle that lay before them was actually Jordan. And one of the things is that Joshua, and it's interesting about Joshua, Joshua is, in my opinion, is a character that I just love to read about. Um, 
he, he, he died at 110, um, but he, as a man who's full of faith, but he's also a man who was brought up under Moses, and I think that must have been such a privilege. And some of the things that we read about is that when Moses went into the tabernacle, there's a wee side note that says, and Joshua was in there too, and it says when Moses came out of the tabernacle, Joshua stayed in the tabernacle. And I would have loved to have known what the Lord was saying to Joshua at that time. Even we, uh, another we notice that when, even when Moses went up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, it says that Joshua was with him. He was a man who saw, who saw the hand of God move mightily before him and for the people of God. And therefore, when it came to leading the people over Israel after Moses has died, he then became Moses' successor. But even Joshua still needed to have his faith built up, ready to go over Jordan. Let me just recap over where we've been before. In the book of Exodus, chapters 1, before, uh, chapters 1 to 4, we read about Moses being called and sent to deliver um, God's people. In chapter 7, the chapters 12, we read about the plagues and we read about the Passover. In chapter 13 of Exodus, we read about the exit or the exodus itself. In chapter 14, we read about the Red Sea and about the, the slaughter of the Egyptians as the sea came down, the Red Sea came down the top of them. But you know, after three days, no water was found, and they arrived at the river uh, Mara, the river Mora, and it means bitter water. And we read in chapter 15 about how, the, even though this has just happened, the children of Israel had forgotten all that their Lord had just done and just delivered. And they started to murmur against Moses and against God. But a tree or a branch was cast down into the waters, and it was made sweet. And do you know what? That all happened just within the first month of them coming out of Egypt. In the second month of them coming out of Egypt, in Exodus chapter 16, verse 2, you hear more murmuring again. It's funny that, you know, the people of God and people in general, we sometimes have a very short memory. But in Exodus chapter 16, in the second month, in verse 2, we read about more murmurings. And in verse 4, it talks about how God rained bread down from heaven. And in verse 13 of that chapter, he talks how he gave him quails in the evening. And he gave him manna in the morning. And one of the interesting things in that chapter, and this is very important, I think, for today. It says it goes on and, and God gives, um, gives him instructions on how to collect the manna and what to do with it. And it says this, it says that I may prove them whether they walk in my law or no. Chapter 16, verse 32, it says... This it says that the manna was told, told to keep the manna as a testimony, as a memorial, as a witness for the future generations so that the people of Israel would not forget. In chapter 17, verse 6, read about how Moses struck the, the rock and water came out. In chapter 17, we read about how they fought against Amalek. We read about that great story where Moses stood and Aaron and Hur lifted up the arms of Moses. In chapter 17, it says this. It says, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the years of Joshua. That was the second month. In the third month, in chapter 19, right, uh, sorry, starting in the third month, we read from Exodus chapter 19. In chapter 20, we read about the Ten Commandments that, been, that were given. And we read about the law, bits of the law that came after that and the whole story behind that. We go into chapter 33 of Exodus, and it says that God spoke to Moses in the tabernacle, like a man speaketh unto a friend face 
to face. In verse 22 of that chapter, we read about how Moses was hid in the cleft of the rock. In Exodus chapter 36 onwards, we, we read about what we then read about in the book of uh, Numbers and, and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Onwards, we read in great detail about the creation of the tabernacle and of the ark and of the instruments of worship and of the ordinances of service. In Numbers chapter 11, and this is going into the second month of the second year, again the people complained, and God in his anger sent fire and burnt them and consumed them all that were on the outskirts of the camp. And to be honest, that little portion, that thing that happened there, to be honest, could be a sermon all by itself. We also read in Numbers chapter 11, we also read of the 70 elders that were appointed by Moses. And we read about Eldad and Medad prophesying in the camp. Chapter 12, we read about Miriam smote with leprosy for seven days. And this all happened within the first two years. Gone on of whenever the people came out, the church of God, the people of God came out of Egypt. In Numbers chapter 13, we read about the 12 spies sent to Canaan. Like it says, we read about how 12 of them all came back with a very good report. But they said, 10 of them said, we could not take it. In chapter 14, the people again murmured and they wanted to go back to Egypt. There seems to be a pattern here. God seems to come and do something like today where if God came and did it, there would be revival right across Northern Ireland, television cameras, everything. And yet within a matter of months, without a matter of weeks, the children of God just forgot about it. In chapter 14, we read about how those of 20 years and upwards who murmured against God were smitten in the wilderness. And because of this and because of their unbelief, they then spent 40 years in the wilderness going around in circles and going around a mountain without going in and possessing all that the Lord had promised to them. Like it says, most of what we read happens in the first two years. And we read very little of what happens over the next lot. But yet, through the murmuring and complaining, we read in Deuteronomy chapter 2 that God was with them and that they lacked nothing. I want you to take a note of that. No matter what was going on, no matter what it looked on the outskirts, and what was going on, that there was the people of God were dying off, and God was, the people were just going round and round in circles in the wilderness. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 2 that God was with them and that they lacked nothing. And if you continue to read on, it talks about how they had food and how they had water. And they had clothing that did not wear uh, out. And even through all of that walking, it says that their feet didn't even swell up. I know some of you women would love that. That their feet just didn't swell up there after a day on your feet. But no, it says their, women, their feet didn't even swell up. See, the hand of the Lord, regardless of, their, of the state which they were in, was always towards them. The Lord's face is always towards his people. Always, always, always towards his people. And Deuteronomy chapter 34, we read about Moses' death. We read about Moses' death. And that brings us into where we are now, where Joshua is here before Jordan, ready to go over. And I read all of that to sort of give you an idea of where we are, both in the story, but also you can see the pattern, that there was a number of things that happened over the time that the Lord brought them into where they are, is that, there was, the Lord did mighty, mighty works, signs and wonders before them. But yet, even though the people of God constantly kept turning their back on him, God's hand was always towards them and was always for them. 
and his face was always towards his people. And the other thing is that regarding making memorials and making memories, they were constantly told to make, uh, to take, like we say, the, the manna as a testimony and to write things down in the book so it can be rehearsed to the later generations and to the generation that was to come. If we turn, please, to... Uh, if we, sorry, if we go on to Joshua chapter 2, what happens is, is that... And by the way, a, we're still on the same side of Jordan. Is that Joshua turns around and he sends two spies, spies into Jericho to go and to spy out the land. And there's a big difference between this time and last time. And that is simply because of what they heard in Jericho while they were there. Let me show you in chapter 2, verse um, verse 8. And this is talking about Rahab. This is the spies have been hid in the roof. Rahab has sort of diverted the people that were looking for them and sent them all words. It says in verse 8, it says, And before they were laid down, she came up to them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord had dried up the water of the Red Sea for you whenever you came out of Egypt. And what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Shihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. Listen to this. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. You see, whenever we read on down through that and we go to verse, if you get this right, uh, verse 24 of that chapter, sorry, verse 23, sorry, says, so the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came unto Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all the things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all of the inhabitants of the country do faint before us. And I want to make a wee point here to say this. While the children of Israel were walking around in circles in the wilderness, the enemy was happy to sit and build up strongholds in the land of their inheritance. But the strongholds that they were building were built by man and not by God. And I want to make a point of that. Regardless of how thick they may have made the walls of Jericho, regardless of how high any of the strongholds may be, they were still built by men. And one of the things here is that whenever the spies come back again, I guarantee you that they rehearsed everything that Rahab had said to them. That because the Lord God was with them, I guarantee they even probably forgot after 40 years. Because you got to understand that what's happened in the Red Sea was 40 years before what happened whenever the spies here went into Jericho. And yet if the people of God had just built themselves up, up in faith and had not forgotten that which the Lord had done for them already, they probably would have walked straight into the promised land and took Jericho. Because it says here that Jericho, regardless of how big and strong it was, that it was running scared because the hand of the Lord was with his people. And one of the things I want to make a point here, and I'm going to show you another time where this happens whenever they cross Jordan, is that 
as I've said many times, even here, like I says, and, and sometimes when I'm, when I'm up singing and stuff, is, is this. It's that regardless of what it's looking like, regardless of the Jerichos that are sitting there within our lives and within this land, the strongholds that are put into place, the strongholds are going to fall. They're going to fall, not because of our might, but because of his spirit. No, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You see, he's raising up a children of God, his children. He's raising up his children of God, his own people. A people that are willing to obey his every word. And you see, one of the things about this is that whenever it looks at the minute that the enemy is... Do you know what? It looks like the enemy in this land is taking foothold by foothold by foothold. Every little back door it looks like it's trying to get in. And at times we look and we can be dismayed and be discouraged at that which we're seeing. But one of the things that this showed me is that you see whenever we move in faith, the enemy becomes scared. Let me show you one other thing just very quickly. It has to do with this. Let's go to chapter... uh, Chapter 5, verse 1. And it says this. Joshua chapter 5, verse 1 says, And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on this, or sorry, were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel, until we were passed over, that their hearts melted. Neither was there spirit in them any more because of the children of Israel. You see, there's a second time. You see, the enemy may look to the outwards, to man's eyes, strong. And even whenever, uh, when we read about the 12 spies, it went out the first time, that in man's eyes, it looks like the children of God are grasshoppers, but you'll find in God's eyes, the enemy are the grasshoppers. And the thing is this, is that whenever God, or the thing I want to put onto you is that whenever we read through this, and we read through all that I talked about uh, rehearsing over everything that the children of God, the Israelites went through in the wilderness and leading, up, and leading up to where we are now. The whole thing is this, is that Joshua was reminded of these things by the spies and by Rahab. And whenever we sit and we gain, we meditate on all the things that the Lord has done in our lives and it builds up faith within us to a point where we can believe that we can go into the enemy's strongholds and take them down, you will find that they will start to fall before us. Why? Because when the children of God, when we, and I talk about me, whenever I get my act together and I stop putting my flesh and myself before God and letting him take the lead and just bowing down and says, Lord, whatever you want, I'm going to follow where you lead. Whenever I start to do that, the enemy starts to run scared because they goes, oh no, he's finally realized it's better just to let God have his way. It's better just to follow through that which he says and that which he is told to do. You see, Joshua learned through those 40 years a very big lesson and that is to never forget that what the Lord has done in your life no matter how small it may be right from when the time that you first heard the word of God and you responded to his gospel and that conviction in your heart to the time whenever you prayed for your husband or your wife who at the time was unsaved and God saved them. To the time where you sat at night time and you prayed for your son or for your daughter. 
Saying, Lord, I don't know where they are this night, but wherever they are, are you getting drunk or whatever's going on, Lord, just keep your hand upon them. And then out of nowhere, they walk through the front door. All the times as mums and dads or as grannies and grandas or whatever that we have prayed for our children or we have prayed for other people in the street or even within our own size, selves or within our own lives that we've looked and go, Lord, we've got no bread to eat with. The oil ran out a year ago and we have no idea how the heating's still on and we think about all and we muse over all the things that the Lord has done. Whether it's so big or so small. You know, I, I'm going to use Pastor Ken as an example. I have the privilege of, of um, a great privilege of over the past sort of years that I've been able to, to spend time with Pastor Ken on many a Sunday and his, and his wife Alison in, in, in their house. And at times we sit and we talk about what the Lord has done for them and what the Lord has brought them through. Both here and what's happened in this land. Both what happened in Dublin and also what happened whenever they were in Romania, even before then. And one of the wonderful things about sitting and talking with them, and I know this is, this is just Ken down to a T, is that he never, ever forgets. And for me personally, I think that's one of the reasons why God uses him. It's because through all the life lessons and everything that the Lord has brought him through and brought him to, it's always Jesus first and nothing else. Glory goes to no man and no one. You see, and it's the same here with the children of God. And with Joshua, you see, Joshua now came to the point where he's seen all the mistakes that happened before over the past 40 years. And they were being rehearsed, like it says, we, I'm sure whenever the, the spies were coming and telling him about this stuff out in the corner, he probably saw the two jerry cans is what they were. 40 liters, two jerry cans of manna just sitting there in the corner. He probably reminded himself, like we say, of that book when they talk about when they went to fight against Amalek where it says, write it down in a book. He probably got that book out and started to rehearse. And that's the exact same thing that's here before us. If at any time we ever forget, all we have to do is start to pick up this book. And we can start to rehearse. And at times we would be saying, but Lord, maybe what's in this book is not for us, that was for the Israelites, that's for somebody else there's an amazing wee uh, if I can just find it here in my notes there's a fantastic wee verse and I don't want to miss it just on that note I believe in Exodus chapter 19 it says this sorry bear with me till I find it Exodus chapter 19 I believe in verse 5 and 6 it says this now therefore if you obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which I shall speak unto the children of Israel. And if we turn, please, to First Peter. Please, chapter 2. Just so that we... Just understand what I'm trying to say. First, or sorry, uh, yes, uh, First Peter chapter two, verse nine, and this is on to. By the way, those that are under the new covenant—that was the old covenant. For those that 
this is under the new. We do hear the similarities. This is how you can take everything that's in the Old Testament that was spoken unto the children of Israel and apply it unto your own lives. It says this, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, that which God instituted at the beginning runs right through to the very, very end of time. His promises are yea and amen. They are from everlasting to everlasting. Behold, I am the Lord, I change not. He hasn't decided that at one time I'm going to turn around and bless these people over here just because and because we're, you know, uh, whatever we call ourselves, because we're from Ulster, we don't get the fullness of that, but we do because we're engrafted in the same vine. Sons and adopted sons in Christ Jesus. And you see, whenever we read through this story, and we read through everything that the Lord was starting to show me, you see, Joshua here knew that he had to remind himself of his past victories. And he also knew as well that he was not to let them, that the generation that was before him now, ever to forget these things. We actually read, after that we we read about Achan, and we read about how Achan took um, silver out of Jericho, took that of the accursed thing, and it says that even that was made as an example unto the people, a heap of stones, as a testimony and a witness. And he also went up to Mount Ebal, after the victory against Ahai, and he wrote the law down on the stones, and he rehearsed it again in the ears of Israel, and he built an altar and a big pillar, the same thing as a witness and a testimony. So one of the things, or the thing, the theme that the Lord wanted me to tell you, excuse me, tonight is this, is that coming in the days and the weeks and in the years, Leading up until the second coming, the Lord is going to continually move by his spirit throughout this land and throughout his people to get his people ready. But for us to be in a place of obedience, we have to be reminded and we have to build ourselves up by all that the Lord has done in our lives. If at any time we start to doubt or we don't know what's going on, we need to start again rehearsing and thinking about everything that the Lord has done in this word for as people of God and even in our own individual lives. You see, every single time that we are reminded of these things, even if, even if you take the word of God, King Josiah, I believe, he came and he read the book of the law in front of all the people. And after reading and hearing all that the Lord has done, it says that he rent his clothes and inquired of the Lord. And it talks about how all the people of Jerusalem they in response served God fully and he kept the Passover. We read also about in the book of Nehemiah how Ezra came and opened up the book of the law and taught all the people and the people wept at what they had heard. And it says that Ezra again went over and he rehearsed everything from Abraham, or sorry, from Abram, how he became Abraham, right through to Egypt and Moses and the law and Joshua and David right through to the carrying of way. He rehearsed all of this in the, in the ears of God's people. And it says in chapter 10, verse, uh, verse 28, it says this, Then the people, after hearing, they separated themselves from the people of the land unto the law of God, their wives, sons, and daughters, and everyone having knowledge and understanding. You see, another theme that's happening within the church every time I know with Ken and Aaron have been speaking is that there's also this call on the holiness 
and unto righteous living. And one of the things is that to be a spotless bride, you have to be spotless. Now, don't get me wrong. This is, uh, of course, Christ, when he died, and he shed his blood, he removed every filthy spot from off as every blemish was dealt with. But this is within our day-to-day lives. And that's very, very important that for people of God that are going to go and are going to take Jericho and take back the land of our inheritance, we need to circumcise our hearts. In Joshua chapter 5, Joshua chapter 5, let me just, just get it here, make sure I'm in the right place. Joshua chapter 5, verse 2, it says this. And at that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel a second time. And Joshua made them sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. All the people came out of Egypt that were males. Even all the men of war died in the wilderness, by the way. And after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised. But all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, whenever they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were the men of war that came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord swore unto his fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. Now note this. And their children whom he hath raised up in their stead, whom Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them in the way. And I wanted to read that, to read this. This is something else that the Lord wanted me to say to you. Is that since what is known as the, uh, the latter reign of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the former being in the book of Acts, as we heard about from Aaron this morning, and people would not often say that the the latter rain came at Topeka, Kansas, whenever the Spirit of God again um, was recorded again, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened. That, and then into Azusa Street, and all the great men of God that came after that with their Charles Ponhams and Alexander Dowies and their Smith Wigglesworths and John G. Lakes and everything else. And we turn around and we look at the state of the church now, and we find even at times that we wonder where have all the signs and wonders gone to. At times we look and we go, like that was even less than 100 years ago, 40 years ago, even as much that was going on with the likes of Oil Roberts and his ministry and Catherine Coleman doing what she was doing and many others. And when I was looking at this, this is something when he said, when I read this and talked about their children being raised up in their stead, this is what the Lord said to me. He says, that generation being their children is the generation that's before you now. Not talking of physical children as in young people, but talking about this generation that's here now. A time there was an opportunity, the same way there was an opportunity after the first two years after the children of God came out of Egypt to walk into the promised land. But they didn't do it because they forgot all that the Lord had did for them in Egypt on the bringing out. But at this time, the Lord has raised up a second or another generation or a new generation, which is the generation, the church of God in this land, which is here right now before us. And the Lord says to circumcise your hearts and get ready for what I'm going to do in this land. 
and for what I need you to do, or if you want to be part of what I'm going to do, circumcise your hearts. Because Jericho is for taking. And the only way Jericho is going to fall is if we become an obedient people. You see, when God turned around and told Joshua and told the Israelites whenever he came to how to take down the walls, one of the things he put down specific orders on how to do that. And one of the things is, is that if one of the Israelites decided to blow his trumpet too early or they decided to shout one minute too late or if things started to change, you might have found that everything maybe wouldn't have went the way it should have done. You see, like we read about whenever they took the manna at the start, they bottled up, it says, God says that he put down a law and an ordinance when they gather it, and it says that they may know my law and whether they keep it or not. You see, tonight needs to be a night within our hearts that we start to look and we start to decide, am I going to be a part of this? What am I going to do as a child of God regarding the call of God upon this land and upon this nation? There's been many, many things that have been prophesied over this nation. Many, many things have been spoken over the land of Northern Ireland, over Ulster, over the United Kingdom and the British Isles regarding bringing revival to the rest of the world. And for me, and what I see and what the Spirit is doing within me regarding this land, is that I believe that revival starts here in Northern Ireland. At least that's my heart, that's what I believe, and that we will be a shining light and a torchbearer onto the rest of the United Kingdom and onto Europe and onto the rest of the world. And I remember a few years ago, there's a guy, uh, a man called Pastor, Pastor Greg. Greg Thompson came into the church that we were in at the time, and he talked about a fire and a hub and about a hub and about these spokes coming off. The fire of God and revival starting up in this area. And the thing is, is that if the people in here in that thing turn around and go in and see the land before them and go, you know what, I'm going to take that land. Lord, you're with me. We're going to step into that. And then happy days, let's go and let's do it. And let's cross over Jordan and let's take down Jericho and Ai and every city that comes after that because there is nothing that can stand before you as the children of God when God's in charge. And whenever we follow and we lead after him. Or do we become like the children of God and turn around and say, you know what, actually I look out there and I see Guildford. It's a place that wasn't touched by the revival of, of, of Ulster in 1859. It's a place that didn't want to know God that is lawless even at times. Do I want to take that? Well, the answer is yes. Because Guildford can be the place that revival sparks in comes from can be the initial fire that everything else comes out after that but for that to happen we within ourselves have to turn around and say you know what lord i'm going to circumcise my flesh and i'm going to take off everything and prune everything that i don't want to happen we have to let the holy spirit comes with the shears and cut off every little branch that thou beareth not fruit that we may bear more fruit in our lives and the only way to do that is to surrender but surrendering can be very hard. I know. Because I'm a bit useless at it. And the whole reason I've spoken about all that I've, I've spoke about is because what the Lord said to me anyway. It says, it goes like this, Daniel. I says, remember, first of all. Remember all that I have done for you. Every story rehearsed again in your ears. 
And you'll find that you'll start to get built up with faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please, to please him, but him who cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. And that word believe means that whenever you come before God, without a shadow of a doubt, you know that every word and everything about him and everything that is him is 100% truth that can stand without nothing needing to prop it up. And the only way that we can have that belief and that faith within inside of us is if we build ourselves up in the most holy faith. We start to remember. Because you'll find, again, whenever you start to remember everything that the Lord has done, you'll start to trust him because you'll go, remember that time I trusted him before? I ain't going to trust him again. And through that trust brings and belief then brings obedience. And you'll find that the more and more you walk in obedience, the more and more of belief and faith you'll have that you'll start finding that you'll be pulling down stronghold after stronghold after stronghold after stronghold. But it comes at a price. And the price is that we have to circumcise our flesh. The price is that we have to cut off all that is not of God. And we have to be prepared to do it. So as I close, and I thank you so much for listening. As I close, I want to put to you tonight. Is tonight going to be the night that we as a church, and we as an individual, both as CET and those that are in from other churches, and as the band with Maria Gilpin and the band and with others, is this going to be the night that is the ninth of the ninth? It is the ninth, yes, ninth of the ninth, 2018. Is this going to be a night of memorial, a night of testimony, a night of witness? where we will build a pillar and we'll say, you know what, this is the night that we circumcised off our flesh. This is the night where we remembered all that the Lord has done for us. This is the day that we crossed over Jordan. See, whenever, and I didn't read it, but in chapter 4, talks about the crossing over Jordan and what they were told to do is that the ark went before them and whenever the priest went to step into the water, it says their feet went, hovered over the water, went straight through to dry ground and the river of Jordan went up as if two walls beside either side. A wall of water to the left and to the right. And it talks, talks about the ark coming and being in the middle and all the Israelites coming in round and walked all the way through and went out the other side. And it says that whenever the priest bearing the ark came and lifted off their foot from off the riverbed, that the river Jordan came down and was made flat again. But in that time, the Lord also directed them and says, pick up 12 stones. And bring it and build a memorial. And it says, it says, turn around and say, And when your children ask, what be ye these stones? Tell them this is the place that the church of God, the children of God, the Israelites crossed over Jordan. That it raised up as again as a memorial to the children of the generations that were here now and that were are to come. So I want to say to you tonight, as the band want to come on up again, up to, up to the front. I want to say to you tonight, the 9th of the 9th, 2018, make this the night that you decide from now until the Lord Jesus Christ comes and rules and reigns in his kingdom and splits the sky, that tonight is the night that you're going to decide that enough is enough, enough compromise, enough stepping to the left or stepping to the right. But even as the Lord instructed Joshua that he was to meditate in the law night and day and he wasn't to turn to the left nor to the right. 
even as we heard this morning about the importance of the Spirit and the Word being marked or being molded and joined together. Are we as a church and as a people, and even me, myself as an individual, are we prepared to step through and cross over Jordan in obedience to that which the Spirit of the Lord has told us to do? Circumcise our hearts and get ready for the next phase, which is what? Taking down Jericho. But what happens if I can't do it? It's okay. The enemy's really big. What, what about it? Well, let me tell you something. All, all the Lord asks you to do is just trust him. It's all he asks you to do. Because in trusting him, you'll find as we read, that whenever we trust him and we walk in obedience, the enemy starts to run on fear. And that will be in every single individual life. For every son and daughter that is wayward from God. For things that just aren't quite going as you would want. For the illness. Maybe a cancer or something that's ravaging through your body. Yet the Lord says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. For us to, weep, for us to believe that, we must trust him. Be built up on faith. Either he's a liar or he's not. And God forbid, my God is no liar. No way. No way. You see, even in our individual lives, there is Jerichos that do need to fall. And there is a warning regarding Achan. Whenever God starts to move and victories start to happen, we do not let the flesh rise back up again. That's what happened to Achan. See, Achan took off the silver out of Jericho. And what happened was, whenever he did that, as we read, he was then stoned to death. But you see, if Achan had just waited... Because the next city and the next city and the next city after that, the Israelites all took the spoil for themselves. See, all he had to do was wait and trust and obey and what the Lord had said. And he would have had probably so much more. But he didn't. And therefore he fell short. Don't fall short. Not on about salvation. I'm on about don't fall short of that which the Lord has. Walk on the fullness of everything that Jesus has for our lives. Walk in the fullness. Remember, people, you are the generation. From the youngest right to the oldest. You sit here. I believe, personally, this is me. I believe that there's many here, and including myself, that I will see the Lord come in all the fullness of all his glory. That's what I believe. And I look forward to that day if the Lord will, that I will see that such a thing. That's how close we are. And I'm excited at that. Because I'm looking forward to walking with the Lord and following after him, taking down every Jericho and every Ai and every other city after that that's in our lives and taking back Northern Ireland, bringing Northern Ireland back to its rightful owner, the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, let's go.